Welcome back to our mini-series of the Mercy Mamon podcast, My Motherhood. This year, we're championing women on their own unique journeys with motherhood, highlighting and celebrating their different and incomparable experiences on being a mother and what it means to each individual. Join me, Eve Langhorn, as I speak to four amazing women and explore their completely unique journeys to motherhood. So today we're speaking from Beth from Beth Sandland to speak about her journey of motherhood, in particular her experience of two miscarriages, which happens to one in four women in their lifetime. And we're also going to be chatting to her a bit about her pregnancy. So she's now 29 weeks pregnant, which is amazing. So a huge congratulations to you. And thank you so much for joining us today. So how are you doing at the moment? I am really well, thank you. Um, yep, just busy uh busy pottering around our flat in lockdown at the moment but it is a um it's a nice quiet time to be pregnant I think uh so I'm trying to kind of see it that way uh and soak up soak up the quiet time yeah definitely and I bet you're getting everything ready for your little one to arrive hopefully in the next sort of 10 11 weeks which is really exciting yeah we are we are so we've sort of started project nursery and hypnobirthing and that kind of thing um doing lots of things over zoom uh you know classes and uh and whatever so that's um giving some nice structure to our weeks as well and uh yes I think it will fly and we've definitely got something really amazing to look forward to yeah definitely so we're going to be speaking about a few different topics today so do you want to sort of start by introducing yourself and a little bit about who you are, where you live and everything like that. Sure. So I am Beth. I'm 25 and I live in South London with my husband. We got married in October. We had a tiny pandemic wedding. Oh, Um, lovely. Yeah, it was, it was so, so nice. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I am a lifestyle blogger uh, by trade. Um, Pre-pandemic, I also did a lot of travel writing and blogging. We spent all of 2019 abroad. Um, so I'm so, so grateful we came home when we did. and did, oh, <laughs> did amazing. You're, you're so lucky you managed to get it, all that travel out before. We were so, so fortunate. I'm so sorry for everybody doing those once-in-a-lifetime trips that they'd planned and saved for years for in 2020 and having to come home. We felt so grateful that we did that in 2019. So, yeah, that kind of shapes my days most of the time. So you'll find me sort of (laughs) pottering around my flat mainly or or (laughs) I think everyone's just doing that at the moment just like I mean I've been looking around my flat thinking like what can I change next like I'm so bored like can I get some more pants can I do some painting like anything just to keep me busy (laughs) where was the favorite place that you traveled then in 2019 um to be honest we went to loads of places it was incredible we spent a lot of time in Australia and really fell in love with it somewhere we both just felt very at home uh, and then Sri Lanka was also a, a really amazing destination that I didn't know much about before. And now I'm such a, a I should be on some sort of commission for the tourism board. <laughs> every time someone says to me, I want to go on an amazing holiday, where should I go? I think Sri Lanka, it would just suit every single kind of traveler. Yeah, I actually went in 2019 as well in April and it was absolutely incredible. Like the people as well are so friendly yeah. and they're so, so happy to like see you wherever you go and it's just yeah, it's so amazing beautiful. you know we saw leopards and elephants and it was just it was crazy it was amazing 
Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love Sri Lanka. I'd love to go back one day. Uh, so as you know, this year, we're really focusing as a brand on celebrating all journeys of motherhood and sort of the aim of this podcast, we're trying to use people's voices to share their journeys. So what's your journey from where you were to where you are now with your pregnancy? Sure. So I first found out I was pregnant in November 2019. Um, It was unplanned, but it felt like a real blessing. And the timing just seemed perfect, too, because we had literally just returned home from that 12 month trip. So, you know, we sort of landed at, at Heathrow, having been away for 12 months, let ourselves back into our flat. And we had the first night at home, we sort of, you know, we both led there in bed feeling very deflated. Um, I think that the post-travel blues are, are a real, you know, it's a real thing and a side of it that nobody wants to talk about because they don't want to seem ungrateful for this amazing mm. experience they've just had. But it really does hit you when you've been away for so long to come back to just, re- you know, relative normality. What do we do next? There's no, suddenly you've had this amazing whirlwind time and you're back to putting the bins out and doing the dishes and, um and within within less than a week of that we found out I was pregnant um so we were like well you know there's our next adventure so it just seemed really kind of we just we just felt really blessed just felt very lucky really um then I had a missed miscarriage which was diagnosed at a scan and it was it was a complete it was a complete surprise shock um Mm. You know, I knew about miscarriage, especially thanks to sort of the internet, Instagram, um, brave women talking about their stories. I knew it was a thing, but I suppose probably like everybody, I just I just didn't think it would ever apply to me. We we did what kind of I suppose I suppose most people do. We we I wasn't particularly worried during the first trimester. Everything seemed fine. Uh, we were excited, and we definitely thought that going to a scan was kind of a really lovely exciting experience and we were convinced that we were going to leave clutching these little photos to show our family and that kind of thing and so it really kind of it just completely shook my my world to be honest to to have somebody you know to sort of say the words there's going there's going to be no baby um and I didn't really know how to process that and so you know the the grief was very real uh, and it was something that we both very much grieved together and you know I sought support wherever I could find it um I was sort of lucky I suppose what's the wrong word but to have some close friends who had um gone through similar experiences one friend in particular Sarah had uh had sort of had the same thing with a with a mis- miscarriage at a, at a scan and I I rang her and I, you know, I just sort of said, what, what do I do? And we cried on the phone to each other. And she, it was brilliant to talk to somebody who was willing to speak openly about their experience because it's such a lonely time. Mm. Um, and I think because there is still so much stigma attached, lots of people feel like, why is this happening to me? What did I do? You know, they feel like they're the only one to, to have experienced that. Um, when actually, I often say to people, actually if you polled all of your friends and they were all really honest you'll probably find that it's something many more women have experienced than you would ever realize yeah Um, like the statistics do you say one in four women in their lifetime which is huge yeah exactly you know and I do also always remind people that that still means that three and four get to take their babies home and that's amazing and actually you know stats are however you interpret them and I would never want kind of everybody to go into pregnancy full of fear but it is common and it is 
still very much stigmatized. And so I, I think the thing that we, you know, we really battled with, with, with the loss, with the fact that it felt like our world had changed dramatically so quickly twice, uh, you know, so suddenly we were pregnant, planning for this baby, so excited and made, made room in our hearts for, for a family. And, and then it's gone again, you know, yeah. in, in a sentence that a sonographer says, um, so there was the kind of struggle of getting getting my head around that whilst also feeling like I didn't have a right to grieve just based on the stigma based on the things that people say that are perhaps well-meaning but fundamentally unhelpful that minimize the experience you know the at least uh, you know the, all, all the at least at least you weren't further along at least this at least that and it's it makes you kind of wonder whether whether there was a real baby whether you get to miss that baby whether you get yeah and it's not really helpful advice saying you know at least you weren't further along because at the end of the day it was it was still a baby that was lost yeah and I firmly believe that you know from the minute that you that you wee on a stick and you find out you're pregnant you know that is your baby um and no matter what anybody says you do start thinking and planning and planning ahead and suddenly you've got this date in the diary in the future you know for nine months time you've got a birthday so I don't I think fundamentally it doesn't really matter when loss happens you have lot you know you have if you found out you're pregnant and then you're suddenly not you've lost something and as much as I do think people try and be helpful any sentence that starts with at least just isn't helpful we had we had mm-hmm. you know we had everything we had at least you're young and I thought well so I do I not do I not get to grieve this pregnancy as much because I'm you know three years older and at least you know you can get pregnant it's like well yeah but that's really useless if I can't marry a baby to term so there was a lot of that there was a lot of seeking validation I suppose looking for women who were um, who'd been through it and were kind of now working I suppose to validate other other women in their grief um, and I was very fortunate to find that um, via Instagram, via friends. Um, there's a lovely lady called Zoe uh, Clark Coates who has written, she um, heads a charity focused around loss and she's written a brilliant book called The Baby Loss Guide. So a friend kind of pointed me in Zoe's direction and there is a real community out there, but I think you have to go looking for it and that's the really tricky bit. So yeah, I mean, it, it completely changed our priorities. We'd, as I said, we'd made room in our hearts for a baby and suddenly there wasn't one. And all the things that we'd perhaps talked about, it, we didn't have the same passion for anymore. You know, we, we'd sort of said, oh, perhaps in 2020, we'll go backpacking around South America. <laughs> Good job we didn't with the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. But suddenly, you, suddenly neither of our hearts were, were in that lifestyle anymore because we had had a had a glimpse I suppose of 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 what it would feel like to be parents Um, yeah and then we weren't so we needed a few months to recover emotionally I had um had surgery had a DNC to sort of manage as they like to put it the um the miscarriage uh and we kind of weren't really sure what to do so we we just sort of a little bit floated through life and then the pandemic hit which was tricky because it took away all my coping mechanisms. I've sort of just started throwing myself back into work, back into seeing my friends, socialising. I was, you know, I was doing my best, I suppose, to sort of mm. keep busy. And then, and then suddenly everybody's trapped in their homes in lockdown. Um, and we weren't sure either how that might impact um, a pregnancy, whether the actual virus could impact a pregnancy, the impact on care, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
So we sort of left it until the summer and then started trying again. I fell pregnant quickly, but this ended in an early bleed, which it was a, it was a very different kind of experience to the first time round. Um, because I think that in a way I was actually much more preoccupied with wondering whether there was something wrong with me than I was with necessarily. I sort of think I, I compartmentalized the loss quite a lot. Found it easier to cope with, I suppose, but also, yeah, I, you know, I, I suppose I just, I started panicking. I started thinking, is this, is this going to be it? Did you find it sort of easier to cope with because you'd sort of been there already? Um, maybe. It wasn't the same shock that it was the first time. It also just wasn't generally as traumatic, you know, the first time. Um, I was further along we'd gone to the mm. scan we'd just led there in the room all excited and then had the words and the you know the screen and whatever um, had the surgery booked in it was just generally a much more traumatic process I think yeah um, so I could sort of uh, you know it was obviously very very upsetting but I, I could sort of deal with it more um, and I, I just I think I did preoccupy myself with with the what ifs then of, of okay well one you know once felt really unlucky but what if this is more than bad luck I suppose um was was kind of at the forefront of my mind um the uh, sort of your, your doctor your GP isn't particularly interested um unless you've had three or more miscarriages um which you know I'm certainly not criticizing the NHS there but it's difficult I you know, I rang my GP and she very much said, well, <laughs> you know, ring me back if you can, if you have another one. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a, it felt suddenly like a gamble. I didn't really want to keep taking. Um, yeah. But, you know, we sort of, we did um, uh, comfort ourselves, I suppose, with the statistics. We spent a lot of time um, reading through websites like Tommy's, for example, Mm-hmm. Uh, who were very kind of clear and comforting I suppose um, but also the statistics were there and I you know kept trying to remind myself that actually everything was still in our favor that it would go right the next time but um, yeah we had you know we had a couple of negatives then we decided to basically just give ourselves a break uh, we decided to get married that year um, we knew we'd be planning a kind of pandemic wedding and we thought let's just focus on that um try again in the new year at which point hopefully COVID will be a thing of the past um (laughs) that was wishful thinking (laughs) uh, yeah very wishful thinking but uh, but you know we thought we we kind of took the pressure off I suppose um and I think both felt a bit of relief for it and the universe had completely different plans as I'm now seven months pregnant (laughs) so um it was funny because I had uh I sought therapy after the first miscarriage Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I had said to the therapist was that I was really I was sad that a pregnancy wouldn't be a surprise again because the first time around it just felt so it felt like everything had fallen into place and it just felt so right so I'd kind of said to her oh you know I feel like I feel like it's never going to be a surprise again it's always going to be planned and tracking cycles and the you know the really unsexy side of of trying to conceive that nobody talks about um and so it was, it was, you know, it was, it was really nice, I suppose, uh, in the summer to, to find out that, that I was pregnant again. And everything has been, everything has been good. Everything has been smooth since it's, you know, pregnancy after loss is a really anxious time. But the days are ticking by. I've reminded myself, you know, right from the beginning, that each day is a day closer to, to, to meeting our baby. And yeah, now we're only, as you said, 
kind of could be anywhere within the next sort of eight to 12 weeks or so I think so exciting and when did you find out you were pregnant then um I found I was pregnant sort of early August um so yeah in the middle of the in the middle of the summer amazing and I know miscarriage like like you just said it's a really tough subject for a lot of people and how do you think obviously suffering too how do you think it's changed your outlook on life I think well it changed it changed my outlook our priorities um sort of personally in terms of knowing that actually now now is the time that, that we wanted to start a family um so you know it took I, if if I hadn't fallen pregnant the first time I did in 2019 uh, that what you know we wouldn't have we wouldn't have planned a pregnancy then Mm-hmm. so um that that sort of surprise pregnancy changed our priorities entirely and losing that baby didn't make us think oh well you know we, we weren't not that I think anyone would think oh we weren't planning it anyway but it, it made us you know we, we had made this space for this baby who mm-hmm. not wasn't coming home with us but we did know for sure that you know a family was it was it had always been on our radar it always has been something that we wanted we just perhaps had other things that we thought we might do first and it just jigged our priorities um and then a kind of on a wider level combination miscarriage the pandemic lost a very close family member over the last year it all is it's all that reminder I suppose that we're we're not in control you can only plan to an extent these you know where do you see yourself in five years questions or when people say I'm going to have a baby when I'm 30 or I'm going to do this then I want to be married by this you know I'm sort of now very much of the belief that you can't plan out your life you can make decisions you can influence things but you can't ultimately ultimately kind of plan the way things work I think when I was younger I used to say like oh I'm going to have a baby by x age and I'm going Mm. to be married by x age and I think as you get older your life just changes so much and it just completely depends on so many different factors and and now the things I said when I was younger I'm definitely not going to have a baby by the time I'm you know 27 because I'm 27 in six months time so yeah you're completely right it does it feels so simple I think when you're younger it's like playing the sims or something isn't it yeah it's like dreaming up your own like dream life with like prince charming and it doesn't always happen that way completely and I think you know even even when you even when you are older even when you're living that life however many years on 10 years on and you think well you know I'm not going to do that this year or gosh I always thought I would do this by this age but now I still feel really young for example I think still um it was just a reminder to me actually that you know that we're not in control and I think that that's a reminder that everybody has had with the pandemic that there is only so much that you can influence that you can control and then you've got to make the best of of the situation you're sort of an amazing advocate of sort of support over on your Instagram and you've been so open speaking about your experiences and sort of how it affected your mental health so how did it affect you and and not only you your partner as well um I mean I was grieving I was grieving really deeply after you know after our first loss um that's the kind of the best word that I can use for it and anybody who's lost somebody knows what grief feels like Mm. Uh, and it's not linear and it's not predictable and you don't necessarily follow five steps or whatever Um, and I often think that the same kind of respect sympathy empathy that's usually given to grief often isn't given to grief when it comes to baby loss and particularly early baby loss miscarriage because 
you've lost something um you've lost something intangible you have nothing to show for it you don't yeah. have photographs you don't really even have you know memories or or whatever so it, yeah I mean it definitely definitely impacted my mental health and in, in in that I was grieving I was feeling very low um you know it has wider sort of physiological impacts on your sleep that kind of thing um and I think I think it took some time to just sort of be kind to myself and feel that it was okay to feel that way I you know and as I said I sort of I sought therapy which was um a really you know a really good thing to do I was really glad I did for myself and uh I kind of approached approached things that way um I uh, my husband and I kind of we were very much on the same page with it he was really upset and grieving too and he really shared that with me he was very open about it which I'm really grateful for because I think men get forgotten a lot in it but I also think that a lot of men struggle to connect with their feelings um, on it pregnancy can feel like quite an abstract thing I think for for the man or I should I should say for the other partner actually so I think you know I was grateful that he was that he that you know that we really we really did keep communicating we really were a team and that was something that I think massively helped me because I would have really struggled if it was something that we hadn't spoken about or that we were both sort of keeping you know keeping a brave face with and I decided to share online after after some time because oh it just felt like the right thing to do really I've always been very open um I have often shared things on social media used it as a bit of a reflection of whatever's going on in in my little world and it felt wrong I suppose it felt impossible to ignore I didn't feel like you know I took some time away from the internet kind of wasn't you know wasn't interested in talking about anything trivial but it just felt right felt natural to share to talk about it I was extremely nervous you know I wrote out an Instagram post and I probably didn't post it for five days and over the publish button each evening because I just didn't know how it would be received and I had definitely seen other women speak about their experience online previously but you know it's not it's it still wasn't and isn't a common thing um, but you're, you're opening yourself up to you know a huge audience who you know you're probably going to receive so many messages and it probably brings up the feelings all over again for you yeah and I, I would say that probably was the thing that I hadn't prepared myself for in and it's sort of come in different ways over the last year or so you know it was I mean it was I'm so, so glad I shared. And actually, a lot of the support that I've received has been, um, has come from online, has come from people that I've met online, that I've connected with other women, it's been completely invaluable. And I'm also so glad I shared from the perspective that, you know, talking about my experience helps even one other person feel less alone, then it was worth it for me. But I probably didn't consider as much as I should have done how it might it might open up that trauma like you said you know the mm. the reminders so you know there was a real outpouring of of love and women sharing their experiences some publicly some privately I would get messages and still get messages very regularly from women telling me their stories telling me that they had never told anybody yeah which was very very humbling um at points it has got it's been quite a lot. overwhelming I can yeah, imagine it been, yeah and there was a point actually this summer where um or perhaps kind of I don't know September time whatever 
where I was I was pregnant again and nobody knew I was pregnant I hadn't shared that, or nobody knew online rather that I was pregnant I hadn't shared that news I wasn't ready to share that news and I was finding it really really difficult to receive messages about miscarriage and loss um, just increase of anxiety I can, I, I can I was, imagine well yeah whilst I was also having a very anxious first trimester and it was really tricky um and I did kind of you know I did kind of put some account I kind of said this is sort of a boundary I need to set and I it was really difficult because I felt I felt you know I felt guilty because I felt like maybe I was cutting off an avenue of you know of support I suppose for for women who might want to look for it in my in my private messages but I was also sort of saying actually I'm not you know, I'm not a professional, I'm not equipped to deal with this. And so I, I kind of made more effort to point in the direction of the charities and the individuals who, um, who are equipped to deal with it. And, who and where would you sort of tell people to go if they are struggling today? So the saying goodbye charity is, is brilliant. That is run by Zoe Clark Coates. She's on Instagram as Zoe Adele. Um, and her whole Instagram is dedicated to um, to baby loss at kind of any stage. Uh, and she is so comforting and so validating. And her and her charity kind of have time for anybody, no matter what their story of loss is. She's got um, she's got a few books as well. I read the Baby Loss Guide by her, and then she's recently published Pregnancy After Loss, which has been a real help for me this time round. Um, so Zoe is amazing. Uh, and then Tommy's charity are also brilliant that, you know, they offer so much support. So I've kind of spoken to them on off over the last year, even just, you know, even just over Instagram. A lot of people perhaps don't feel confident maybe picking up the phone to, to a helpline or something. But actually, there are so many people and places that you can talk to where you're just sending a message or sending an email and someone will get back to you. Yeah. And it's probably a lot easier sometimes if you don't want to sort of, you know, speak um person to person yeah and sometimes I think just writing it down helps and that's often what I think you know when, when people send me their stories I think that actually in a way it's it's getting it off their chest to I mean I always encourage people if they can to talk openly with those in their lives whether that's their partner or their family or their friends um I'm you know I'm really kind of anti a lot of the a lot of the taboos around talking about loss so I do encourage people if they feel comfortable to use their kind of immediate support network but I think sometimes you do need you need a stranger you need someone yeah to know you. And, and at the end of the day as well it is your pregnancy it's no one else's so if you want to share it share it if you don't don't I don't think exactly I think I agree with you there shouldn't be a stigma on this 12 week don't tell anyone I know there can be risks and stuff but you know it's your own decision I don't think anyone yeah. should be judged for that no I completely agree I'm you know I'm firmly of the belief that some you know uh, somebody should share their pregnancy whenever they want to whether that's at four weeks or 40 weeks it is entirely their decision but I think that the issue with the 12 week rule is that it implies that before 12 weeks you shouldn't talk about it and it also implies that if something goes wrong you don't want anyone to know because then you're going to have to tell them it went wrong um and actually I think the first trimester is quite often when people need the most support even mm -hmm. if it's a perfectly healthy progressing pregnancy it's you know it's it can be really tough you can feel really rubbish um emotionally it's, it's a bit of a minefield and I think um 
everyone has fundamentally got to do what's right for them but actually even if you can just tell a handful of handful of family and friends or whatever um or one you know one friend even um but I feel like it's something that people go through alone for sort of two three months and that's yeah. a very long period to be harboring this thing that that when you're in the midst of it is by far the biggest thing going on in your life in that moment and yet you're not talking about it to anybody yeah no I, I completely agree and we'll pop some links below in this podcast of, of the accounts and Tommy's that you just mentioned then so people can go have a little look and check out and of course your own as well to read upon your blog and your post because I think you're so open about it and I think if anyone's listening who is struggling just to read other people's experience really helps um and yeah. on to my next question is sort of what does motherhood mean to you oh um it's such a broad question <laughs> it is yeah I think I think my perception of motherhood has changed a lot I think that I have learned I suppose over the last year or so that you don't have to you know you don't have to have a baby in your arms to be a mum I know so many incredible women um who, who don't have their children at home with them in their arms um through loss at various stages mm. uh and and you know and they're still mums um and I think that there's a you know I think that there's a very there's a very clear clear kind of stereotype of what motherhood is and it's you know it's it's the woman at home with a child with the children whatever and it's not Um, the case and it's not the case no there are so many so many different variants of motherhood and mother I don't think motherhood looks or sounds like one particular thing it can be it's yeah it's not a one size fits all it's it's whatever you make it I think yeah exactly exactly um and um and yeah as I said you know I know amazing women um who who don't have their children at home with them and they are very much still mothers um and they are trying to learn how to mother a child that isn't there um Mm. and I think that that is you know equally as brave and incredible as the women who um, who do have the children at home and who are dealing with the um, the immense pleasure that comes with that and also the the challenges too. Yeah, I completely agree. And the same goes for, you know, women who are trying to conceive as well um, and maybe can't have that physical child. But, you know, there's so many other ways that you can have a child. And I think they that's their mothers as well. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a really, there was a really incredible community actually online on Instagram of women trying to conceive of women experiencing infertility, secondary infertility, going through the IVF process, adopting. Um, There are so many, you know, what a family looks like is, is not, is not the kind of 2.4 linear model anymore. No, no, Um, definitely not. You can be a family without children, you know, you can have decided that children isn't something that you want in your life and that's equally as valid uh you know you don't I think that this word family is 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 used um you know I do it myself I say oh we you know we're starting a family or we're you know we're we're growing out you know having family actually you're not you're not starting your family you're growing your family you know my husband and I are already a family the two of us definitely I think people see it as like the mum dad you know boy girl and it's I think we're in 2021 now and times have changed and we're not sort of stuck in the 60s anymore um and I think a family can be whatever you want to it's someone you love and you you know you want to be with and you're going to stick together that's sort of my definition of it yeah absolutely and that can look like so many different things you don't have to 
you don't you know you don't have to be you don't have to be married it doesn't have to be a hetero relationship it doesn't have to be a nuclear family model you don't have to be related you might you know you might have a house full of pets that you adore and they're your family you know I'm, I'm still firmly of the belief that 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 a family is what is what you is what you choose for it to be and I, so I suppose it's an extension of that motherhood is is it, it, you know it, it isn't one thing it's whatever it means to you yeah no definitely and how's your sort of pregnancy been so far I know you know you found out in August and you're getting closer now but has it been sort of a smooth journey for you um in yeah so in terms of um in kind you know kind of physically on paper uh, health-wise it has been a very smooth straightforward pregnancy we've had no complications um which you know has, has been brilliant with really relieved about very grateful for um so you know it's very much a straightforward low-risk pregnancy which is um which is great I would say that I sort of I sort of (laughs) joked uh that you know I found it kind of physically not too taxing and that perhaps that was a sort of um a deserved relief uh because it has been mentally taxing Mm. um the first trimester was really really difficult you know I was just constantly battling with my own mind um and constantly you know on high alert super anxious uh and it didn't you know that didn't immediately that didn't disappear you don't I didn't sort of hit 12 13 weeks second trimester and think oh you know cool this is fine now it's you know took a long time to believe that this is a baby that we get to take home with us and even now yeah have those wobbles some days I'm just much much better at coping with it and that um there you know again for pregnancy after loss there is support out there and um so I've done my best to seek it and to learn different coping mechanisms and apply them and um you know I think it's a day-by-day thing and actually what even if you've only found out you're pregnant yesterday every single day is a day closer to holding your baby in your arms and I think that that is something that everybody you know can needs to remind themselves of wherever they're at because it can feel like you know it's it's months and months and it can feel like a really really long time um I you know I broke things down into really tiny milestones I found a note on my phone the other day where I had made like a tick list of of okay you know five weeks six weeks and I was t- I was literally taking the weeks off okay I'm going to fill out the maternity referral forms okay I'm going to go to my booking in appointment mm. okay I'm going to go and I'm going to book that first scan in. and I was I was literally writing it down as into into you know into baby steps um because the kind of traditional milestones I suppose of sort of 12 weeks 20 weeks whatever just yeah. felt way too vast um you needed to get by sort of more day by day, week by week, rather than these yeah, big chunks of time. Completely, completely day by day. And I suppose in taking it day by day, then the week passes and then you're another week pregnant. And, um, I, you know, to, to an extent, I, I still I still do that now. I still think in kind of days rather than weeks. And, um, you know, it, it, I mean, where we're at now is, is super exciting. Um, but you know we, we, we're at the fun part you know we're at the planning planning the nursery buying a pram, mm-hmm. talking about names it's it's all the stuff I suppose that I wasn't willing to do earlier on um but 
it, you know, it still it's sort of it still comes with anxieties. They just change. Um, but I just think I'm probably better now, um, better at coping with them. And I think obviously everyone's journey is different. It's not you know, others might disagree with me, but I I have personally found that you know in the scope of pregnancy after loss, it does get easier. Those that that kind of intensity of the first trimester does let up. Um, mm-hmm there's a very strange period, you know, in the second trimester where you actually really don't feel pregnant because you kind of got your energy back. You you feel hormones might have leveled out a bit. You feel very normal and you might not necessarily have much of a bump by that point. You probably can't feel baby moving. So there's certainly a window there where I was kind of like, well, you know, my waist is a bit thicker. I've got a bit of a belly, but other than that, I just, I don't feel pregnant. I just feel like me. And that in itself was yeah. like really disconcerting. Probably a little bit scary as well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and people kind of say enjoy it and they call it the honeymoon, the honeymoon period of pregnancy. But I think particularly if you're having an anxious pregnancy, it is hard to, it's hard to just, it's hard to believe that everything is fine yeah um, and is is it the sort of the same even now that you're still there must be still a few like worries and anxieties there that everything may not I mean, be fine and yeah I mean the real joy now is getting to feel the baby move um so as soon as as soon as movement started um that was a real real relief um mm. and, and and it's just magic you know it's just the most incredible feeling I've you know, ever felt to, to feel a baby move inside you is, is mind wow. um so you know that that provides me a lot of day-to-day comfort feeling feeling the baby wiggling around in there and you know we'll talk to it and it's it, it sort of feels you know feels like a real person now as opposed to I suppose a concept before where you know you're pregnant but you don't necessarily have kind of proof of that yeah um and so I suppose anxieties just take different forms now, but equally you can always let your mind run away with what ifs and worst case scenarios and this could happen and that could happen. And um, Of course. And, and do you have sort of coping mechanisms? I know you spoke about you do hypnobirthing, which I know has a lot of amazing sort of um, things yeah, you can so do to calm yourself. Yeah. So we started that recently and found that really, really helpful. Um, I, you know, I was very honest with, uh, with the hypnobirthing teacher Claire that we're using um, I sent her an email beforehand and I said I don't you know I don't have any fears around labor I'm not scared of pain I'm not scared of an impact on my body I'm scared I won't get to bring my baby home from the hospital um, and I put that in an email to her because I wanted her I needed her to understand that that was where I was at headspace mm-hmm. wise um, and you know that was only two weeks ago and actually we've you know we've done a couple of sessions since and it has really really helped sort of improve my mindset I feel a lot calmer uh, just you know there's just really brilliant simple mind body techniques and affirmations and breathing and it sounds quite hippy dippy but it's actually just really really logical you know what's going on in your head is going to impact what's going on in your body as well so that's really helping and I think you know, beyond that, as I said, um, my friend Zoe's book, Pregnancy After Loss, that's broken into day by day. So that's really handy if you are a day by day person. And We'll yeah, definitely pop a link um, below as well to that book as well. So anyone yeah, listening can go check that out as well. 
Yeah, and there are some there are some things in there, um, some different techniques. One of them is taking every thought captive with the, you know, you're not with the you're not going to jinx things by hoping. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. people feel that way, especially in the first trimester. So I'm not going to get my hopes up. And actually, you just can't possibly you can't possibly jinx it. You can't make something go wrong by wanting it too much, by hoping too hard. But actually, you know, whilst I don't think you can jinx it by worrying either, I do think that you can make your your life in the meantime a lot more miserable. Um, so this idea of taking thoughts captive is kind of the idea of just recognizing when it's fear talking and kind of noticing that thought in your head, taking it captive, kind of thinking, okay, hi, fear. I know where you've come from and it's valid because it's based on this experience that I've yeah. had or even if it's not based on an experience, even if it's a worry, it's not irrational because it's important, you know, it means something to you, it's important to you. So, but at the same time, recognizing that that's fear, you know, that isn't fact, that isn't what's going mm-hmm. to happen. That's what you fear might happen. And actually taking that moment to replace that thought in your head with a really positive one. So whether that is, imagining meeting your baby for the first time imagining what you might look like with a nine month bump whether that is what color you might paint the nursery you know just letting yourself kind of put these positive thoughts in your head really does and get into your sort of baby bubble as well in a way Mm, and it sounds really sort of simple and it is really simple but I think that you know fundamentally what goes on in your mind is all your own thoughts and um and you are to an extent in control of them. And so I try not to, I, n- I try not to indulge in the fear. I try not to indulge in the negative thoughts because I also think maybe this is just me, but sometimes we're kind of, we quite like to punish ourselves. And, you know, it could be about anything, but you're daydreaming about something and you start daydreaming about something quite horrible or quite negative or quite scary. And you just let yourself do it. And you- Oh you- yeah, I think I think everyone does that. I mean, yeah. um, I I do it all the time I I just think of the worst thing absolutely possible and you know what when I'm really emotional I can actually sit there and completely well up and then I'm like oh my god what am I doing absolutely you do it to yourself you start conjuring up these horrible scenarios in your head and you have one thought you know one really bleak thought and you actually let yourself paint an entire picture in your head and so I make a real, real conscious effort now not to do that and not to yeah. indulge myself in that. And I, I do, I do wonder as well if that's a, a female thing. I, I don't know whether you know men. I don't know, maybe, maybe. Yes, I think I, women are a lot more sort of in touch with our our emotions, which we shouldn't be. Men should be as well. But yeah, I do wonder if, if that's but a I female will, thing. I now literally say to myself, "Stop it, Beth." Yeah. I'll say it out loud to myself, I'll start thinking some horrible thought, and I will say, "Stop it." you know and whether that's reading something whether it's on the internet or you know perhaps I've you never know what you're going to get when you open you know when you open the internet when you open the internet and sometimes that might be something that I wish I hadn't read you know Mm -hmm. um and I have to and I start imagining well what if that happens to me to my baby and I literally say out loud stop it stop it there but you know yeah it's not you that is not your story that is not what is suddenly going to happen because you read about it um so you know I just really could try and kind of make the effort with that and make the effort to to have those good thoughts to have those positive thoughts to even you know to make myself sit there and think about something really lovely and you know and it does work it does it does help I think those are really good um coping mechanisms that you've just spoken about 
Um, on to our final question today, which this is just absolutely flown by. But what is the main mantra? And um, you've said a lot of mantras throughout this podcast, but what is the main mantra you live your life by and why? Mm. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm not really sure that I've got a kind of... Um... A, a quote that you live your life by as such. Ah, I mean, I think I would just say that, you know, every day, every day is a new day and you've got to take it as it comes. And I think that applies to everything, to all areas of life, to all rough periods. It doesn't mean that if you're having a really crap time, if you wake up the next day, it's all going to be fine again. But I think it is the one given in life is that the sun is going to rise the next day and yeah. it's turning and time keeps going. And that feels, that can feel cruel sometimes if you feel like you don't want that to happen, you're getting left behind with it. But actually it's the one constant that we can all rely on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's and there's good in every day you know and even in the absolute worst and if days, you enjoyed this episode um, don't forget you can to leave us a review really tiny good things that could be drinking a cup of tea at the perfect temperature you know could be yeah like small that. As that. could be having an extra long shower and just really kind of standing under the water and just letting you know letting yourself be for 10 minutes whilst the hot water's sort of covering you or whatever um so yeah I think it's that I think it's looking for the little things the small pleasures and and you know just knowing that it's only it's it's a bad day it's not a bad life uh, yeah no I love that quote I think it's a a really good one and yeah everything that you've, you've just said makes complete sense um Beth you have been absolutely amazing um I can't believe we've chatted for so long but thank you (laughs) so much for being so open um I think anyone listening would have found that really useful no matter what stage they are in at life um I know I found that incredibly interesting to listen to um and hear your thoughts on everything so thank you so much for joining us today um you've been absolutely amazing um we can't wait to meet your little one so head over to your instagram when he she arrives and we'll pop some links to your instagram below as well so people can go check you out and also read some of your previous posts for support um, because you're so open on there so yeah thank you so much um you've been amazing so yeah we can catch up soon yeah it's been my pleasure thank you so much for having me bye bye enjoyed this episode don't forget to leave us a review